Welcome to Getting to 5050, brought to you by Pratima Rao Gluckman. Each episode, we bring a thought leader who discusses the changes we can all make to help bridge the gender gap at the very top. Today, we have around 5% of women running Fortune 500 companies. How can we get to 50% so that we have diversity of thought and opinion that is so critical to the success of organizations and humanity in general? Welcome to Getting to 5050 podcast. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of having Andrew Devlin on the podcast. Andrew was born and raised in Ireland. He's one of eight children. He's got five sisters, and he likes to say that he was raised by six women. He currently lives in Santa Cruz, California with his wife and three children. And for the past 20 plus years, he's worked in the video technology industry, mainly selling software and services to major corporations and universities. In 2018, he co-founded a business video platform with his longtime friend and college roommate, Ben Norton. It's called Pitch Hub. It's such a pleasure to have Andrew. He watched me speak at Santa Cruz uh, Women Tech Meetup, and he reached out to me on LinkedIn. And he had one of the quotes uh, of Mother Teresa when he reached out to me. That's like, that's how I start my book. And, uh, you know, I, he's, he's been such a male ally to me, and I definitely wanted to have him on, on this podcast and have a conversation with him. So welcome, Andrew. Pratima, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And also, I showed you the picture of me with Mother Teresa back when I was in Ireland, too. And the picture that I have is me actually, I stuck my finger in her nose. I was probably about 11 <laughs> months old or something. And uh, so the, it's a great photograph and it's a pleasure to meet her. And I think it's just a, I, I think there's a reason why we got connected. So I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I want to kind of start off with just being an ally to women. And I talk about it while I introduced you as well, is you've been an ally to women, you know, and you said you were raised by six women. So talk to me a little bit about just how you were raised for you to have this perspective, because it's so important for men to have that perspective. Yeah, I really feel that uh, I was very lucky. I mean, I, I feel that especially in this day and age, I think I was really lucky to have been raised by uh, six wonderful women and just to see them thrive in business um, and have challenges uh, along the way that I've been able to be a part of. And so just being a part of that and knowing what kind of struggles women have in, in business and just in general, um, I think it's just been, I've been very lucky just know how to uh, be, you know, to treat women and, and just treat them as, as equals uh, because they've just shown me that way the whole way, my, from my mother all the way through my, all my sisters. And uh, it's, been, it's been great. So I just feel I'm lucky I've been educated in that way. And you have three boys. Yes. And what are you mindful of as you're raising your boys? I'm, I always try to, you know, as young boys and they're, you know, three, five and seven, they're starting to get to the stage of, of, you know, not making fun of girls, but saying, oh, girls, this, oh, girls, that. And that my wife is super strong also. So, she stays on top of them about, you know, just saying they're not different from you. You know, they're not, they're the same as you. They're just girls, you know. So we're always kind of instilling that in them. 
And uh, I think it's also great, too. Like, actually, it came from a baseball game. There's girls playing with the boys in the baseball games, and they're just, you know, they're great. They're great players out there. And I think that, in general, that's becoming the norm. And so we're able to educate our kids and just show them that, you know, we're all the same, just just different. You know, and I think it starts at a very young age with uh, with kids. You know, just your perspective for women started at a young age as well. And last night I was watching a documentary with my daughter. It's called The Mountain. She loves climbing. And the, mm-hmm. so the first scene, you know, there's just this person on the mountain. And instinctively she, she said, oh, he's climbing the mountain. And I said, what makes you think that's not a girl? And so, so we're so conditioned. It, it did turn out to be a guy, but there were other women climbing the mountain as well. But, and she's five. And I said, you like to climb it, you know, girls can climb mountains as well. Yeah. And so it's, it's constantly intervening and instilling and changing their mindset. That is so critical. Yeah. uh, Because we naturally tend to think that way. And you talk about that in your book too, as far as raising women to be too perfect. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that, um, I think that that's also a really good thing for, for men and women to, to realize that if you raise them to be too perfect, guys are not are not kind of conditioned that way. And so, you know, they'll read a resume or they'll read a job and say, oh, you know, about 60% of that. Yeah, I can do that. You know, oh, I'm missing a couple of things. That's fine. But, you know, I think you, you, you mentioned just that, you know, if they don't have 100%, they're not perfect, then they won't apply for that job or try to um, to do something, right? Yeah. So where does that come from for boys? You know, like you just got this example where if they're 60% match, they'll they'll go ahead and apply for a position and women tend not to. And it's a lot to do with imposter syndrome. So how do you feel about imposter syndrome? Is that something that you battle with? It's just that, you know, you don't talk about it. And also the men in your life, do they have imposter syndrome that they don't quite talk about? I have two imposter syndrome kind of things that happened to me when I was younger and then older. So when I was younger, I I went to a a public school, middle school, and when I did my entrance exam, I didn't do very well, but I was put in this uh, class that was called, you know, you were rainbow, so there were seven classes, and I was the second to the last, the bottom of the class. And in the next three years, I was just considered one of the, the... not so bright students. And so I had that kind of hanging over my head and I went to boarding school. I pleaded with my mother to send me to boarding school. So she did uh, a couple of years later. So for the last couple of years, I went to, to boarding school. And when I went there, I wasn't well educated. My mother did a lot in order to get me to boarding school. And so uh, everybody was very well educated. It was all boys. And so I was coming from a totally different dynamic but what was hanging over my head and what was really pushing me and driving me was that my mother went through so much in order to put me through this boarding school so I was I just had to make it happen so I had to you know roll up my sleeves and and get um, you know get book smart and really settle down on my studies so I had that kind of hanging over my head of how to achieve and how to get through a situation where I wasn't rich and I wasn't uh, as smart as the rest of the kids when I started the, the, the school. So I just had that kind of pushing me from the background of I had to achieve and I had to do it for for people that put me there. Um, so I think the imposter syndrome 
is, is real. And it's, it, it's hard for women, I know that. So I think now that they've been empowered, that now they've got that pushing on them. Like they can't not achieve it. They have to push through. And I think your book is awesome in that way where it's just saying you just have to push through and persist in order to get through it. Yeah. And, you know, it's also good to hear some of these stories of imposter syndrome from men because there's a lot of perception that women are the only ones who suffer from imposter syndrome. And I've seen a lot more men come out and tell their stories around imposter syndrome. And, uh, you know, we're all human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're all not perfect. Yeah. And being able to come out and tell those stories is actually powerful because it won't stereotype us. Yeah. And think about Silicon Valley, um, just in general, if CEO of a, a two person company, you know, a startup that's only been around for about 14 months, but we're competing with the Stanford, you know, the Stanford kids and the, and the Harvard kids. And, and um, you know, we have to compete, you know, and we have that imposter syndrome, like we shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Um, you, so just in general in Silicon Valley, I'm sure that everybody um, deals has to deal with it. And so how do you deal with it now? I mean, just using this example that you gave me about Stanford kids, what do you keep telling yourself to keep moving forward? Uh, well, I've got, you know, I've got to, a, a family to support and my <laughs> wife is working as hard as she can. Um, we saved up some money and I'm kind of uh, using some of our savings in order to, to make this thing happen. So it, it's, just you got to make it happen um just work really hard uh, work smart um i listen to a lot of really awesome podcasts a lot a lot of different people um like mel robbins i think she's fantastic mm-hmm. um i listen to gary vaynerchuk i think he's also definitely an ally and there's so then there's so many just people out there that give us the intellect and help us be creative and, and just be smart when when you're in business and work hard. Yeah, it's it's hard to be an entrepreneur. It, it really is. It's, the hard, uh, one of the hardest things I've ever done, for sure. <laughs> I know. it's uh, For me, it's always, I always feel like I'm at the edge of a cliff and I'm so afraid to jump off the cliff. I mean, I want to go do something on my own and I've thought about it for years, but, you know, as a woman, it's it's much harder to go off and start a company, you know, with all the stories that you hear, but also this whole fear of, you know, jumping off that cliff, not knowing where you're going to land. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm sponsoring uh, in my my business. Uh, I'm sponsoring a couple of startups. There's one in particular right now. I should be publishing a video on that in, in the next month or so. But there's a a, a woman who um, just had her own had her idea, and she just had to go for it. So i'm sponsoring her we're doing a video together i have nothing to really gain by it i just see this woman she's fantastic i just i think in her life in her past she's touched every, everything she's touched has turned to gold and she's got a great idea so i'm helping her um get her message out with video and so it, it's you know i she she's given up a lot in order to do this business but she, she can't just like most entrepreneurs you just gotta do it you know you have that idea and if you don't do it you'll regret it and that's the worst thing in the world to have is a regret you know down the road yeah and i'm awesome it's awesome i think what you're doing is sponsoring this woman in some sense right you're doing a video and sponsoring and advocating for her 
So do you want to talk a little bit? I mean, I talk a little bit about that in my book, mentorship versus sponsorship. Mentors, you know, talk to you and sponsors talk about you. And we found that the way men tend to choose mentors and sponsors is very different from the way women tend to choose mentors and sponsors. Men tend to choose mentors who are also their sponsors. So what has been your experience when you think about the mentors in your life? Were they also people who sponsored you and advocated for you and helped you in in your career or even in your life? I've had a lot of great mentors and sponsors in my life. And several years ago, when I was in sales for, for a company that we went public and I was an inside sales rep and I didn't, you know, didn't see myself being an outside sales rep, actually going out and meeting with customers and face to face. I was setting up a lot of meetings and following up a lot of leads. And this lady, um, Sherry Scalise down in Houston, just kept pushing me. It's like, no, no, you need to go to this meeting and you need to do this and just pushing me along the road. And she, you know, she mentored me and sponsored me and gave me everything I needed uh, all the tools they needed in order to um, become an outside sales manager. And, and once I did that, I was able to uh, achieve a lot more. And so she really kind of set me set me free in a lot of ways and gave me the confidence to do that. So I always, I always check in on her. She's fantastic. And I've been more of a mentor in my sales, in my sales role, but now I'm really starting to be more of a sponsor as a CEO and just um, having a different type of business and having the capacity to do that. I think you, you know, you need to be an executive, right? You need to be in a bigger role in order to feel like you can sponsor somebody. I think a lot of people are great mentors, but they don't feel that they can be sponsors until they're in a larger role. Yeah, but I agree. I agree that you need to be in some form of an authoritative role. But what what you find in the workplace is, you know, say if you have a bunch of engineers on your team and when you go ask someone, oh, what do you think of this person? Either if they don't advocate for that person at that point because they don't feel like, oh, you know, my, my opinion matters, then it kind of becomes a disservice because in reality, their opinion does matter. And so yeah. you, they don't have to be in, you know, an executive. I just feel like even just being, you know, at the bottom of the food chain, you can still advocate for your peers or your managers or whoever that you think is very high potential and high functioning. And you never know because people's opinions matter in in a workplace and we're always yeah. sorting and getting people's feedback. So I feel like even if you are at the bottom of a food chain, you do have that power in some sense. Yeah. And it's great to hear that you're now in a sponsorship role because we need a lot of men to sponsor women. And we found that, you know, women are over mentored and under sponsored. Uh, But then with this whole Me Too movement, how do you think men are taking it? Because I've heard men are very afraid to sponsor women because of the Me Too movement. They're afraid the woman will turn around and accuse them of sexual assault or something inappropriate. And so how do you how do you handle that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that um, there's so many it's I, I think it's uh, working with women with kids with you know, on both sides. Um, I think that when we mentor or sponsor or interact with people now in general, I, I think that everybody should 
do it in a in a public space. I think everybody should, if you're going to sponsor somebody and you know help somebody, if and in business, do it in a lobby or do it in a coffee shop and be out in the open amongst people when you're when you're interacting with somebody. That it just just can't be in a weird place. Um, I, I think just take the weirdness out of the location, and then great things can happen. I mean, just in general, I mean, uh, working with kids, um, you know, helping somebody with a presentation or whatever it is, it's just and interacting, it's just do it in a public space where there's, you're out in public and there's nothing to, um, you know, nothing to hide, I guess. Yeah, but you have, you know, the vice president of the country who came out and said, I'm afraid to have dinner with a woman. I need my wife in, in uh, you know, with me. I'm sure he's having dinner in a public place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it almost sounds ridiculous, but you do have a lot of men who feel that way. And, you know, I, I feel like maybe they're just missing out an opportunity to sponsor high-functioning women. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, there's definitely things that you can do in order to um, to make it happen. And uh, a little bit about unconscious bias. Like, do you want to talk a little bit about that? You know, we tend to kind of blame men for unconscious bias, which isn't actually quite helpful. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about, you know, like just your perspective? Why do you think that we've so- we've been socialized to exclude women from leadership? I think that, so when we started our company, one of the first person that I sought after was somebody who had knowledge about unconscious bias because we we were helping people decipher uh, from a buyer's perspective, they would go out with and ask sellers to send in their videos um, about if how they could solve the solution. And so first thing I thought of, well, gosh, you know, you might just, pick people that you like and and because video is right out, is right out there and so I sought after uh, some folks that were experts in the unconscious bias field and so it was really educational for me and what came back was the reason why a lot of people are picked is just because they don't have the requirements put together first and so the way that you can deal with unconscious bias is to and I've got a video on this that's coming out soon too, but it's putting those requirements together and getting with your team or getting with people that um, are making the decision and have a full list of requirements, have everything packed first before you go out and meet with people, before you go out and hire, before you out and go out and find a company to fulfill the solution that you're looking for. Um, that's just in general uh, what how you can combat unconscious bias obviously knowing that it's there and becoming and having if you have a large organization to have somebody that's a leader in this and how can help train people and let them understand there is this thing called unconscious bias but then how do you combat that and how what tools do you put in place in order to you know to pick correctly to pick the right uh, company to pick the right person because your company your business will be better off for you when you when you actually do that yeah and you know and it's great to hear that you're thinking about that like you did that early on 
Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, I mean, you seem to be the kind of person who definitely wants to have a culture of diversity, right? Because, I mean, the, the fact that you thought about this early on, I found that, you know, a lot of startups, when they, when they form, the first 10 people they hire is so crucial, or the first five people. If they don't have a diverse team of five people, they're already too late. Mm-hmm. And I've seen over and over again that all these startups are just boys and men. I've actually interviewed at startups where they wouldn't hire me into a 10-person team because I was female. Crazy. Yes. <laughs> it, so it, it's so crucial and so critical for entrepreneurs when they're starting off that their first five hires uh, have to be diverse. And and so just thinking about your company, do you feel like there's a hiring problem when it comes to hiring diverse candidates? Not just women, right? Just underrepresented minorities and groups. Do you find that? Well, um, well we're not hiring right now, but I think it's... it's um, I think it's the people that you know. So if you know, you know that this person can do that. Um, mm-hmm. So in your past, you know, jobs or life that you've had um, dealings with a certain group of people, and that you've surrounded yourself with uh, these different types of people, that that's where you're hiring because you you think that this is you know that there are these are the people the only per- people out there that can make. A difference in your company and they're usually people that you know right and so you know I, I think and and if you step back and look at the statistics what is it 20 20 plus percent higher um, productivity and uh, within your organization if you have a diverse culture mm-hmm. if you have uh, men and women and, and culture in, in your organization then you're you know, you're more than 20% likelier to be doing better than everybody else. So if you don't do the, do the research and, and you go ahead and hire five of your, your best friends, then, you know, you're kind of, you're starting off. Uh, and investors will now start looking at that, right? Because I know for a fact that investors are becoming very educated on, on unconscious bias and having a diverse team. So VCs in general are looking at that. And so um, it goes against you, I think, in the long run. So you need to go out and and define your requirements. What are you looking for? And find the right people. And and then the numbers will work themselves out. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I want to talk, I want to kind of switch over and change context to housework. You know, and also equal partnership at home with taking care of kids. Um, but when it comes to housework, you know, today the majority of the housework falls on a woman. And, you know, before we got on the podcast, you were saying that, you know, you had an early start with dropping the kids off uh, for their baseball game and running around. Uh, so what advice do you have for just men and women out there when it comes to equal partnership at home? Because it's both their careers and a lot of women take a step back in their careers because a lot of the housework falls on them. Not that, not that we're a perfect household or anything, but we, we don't have like, we don't have credits and debits. Um, we don't ever talk like I did this and you have to do that. Or we always work out things previously in the week and we work out our schedules in a lot of ways. I think it's awesome that, you know, Bill Gates and 
Jeff Bezos, you know, recently said they clean up after dinner. Uh, you know, they do the dishes and they like to do the dishes. And if you, I think that was, that was kind of cool. Something you can, you can point to in a, you know, in a male dominant house or, or something like that. Right. Who, who people who respect and look up to, um, you know, some of the richest men in the world. And just in our house, household alone, I mean, my wife is kind of carrying the load right now. Um, while I'm working in a startup and not really making any money. Right. So she travels, um, uh, I take care of the kids. She'll be gone. She doesn't, she's an uh, event manager. And so she'll be gone for eight days. And so, you know, the solo dad and, and just making it happen. So, um, we, you know, again, just back to my first, my first, uh, point, we just don't have credits and debits. We just make it, you know, we work together and, and don't ever say I did this, you did that. We just pick up the load, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just my, my personal life, my husband's a stay-at-home dad and I work. And I've noticed that a lot of the housework falls on him. And I'm to be blamed as well in this partnership. But I'm just so busy making money for the family. And I'm so busy running off and trying to support the family. And so there's some things that just fall off my radar. And I think that's how men have been operating <laughs> for many years, right? Mm-hmm. And so I see that, I mean, so it may not be gender related in some sense. Like when I look at my life with my husband, that's how our lives are, but I'm just working all the time. And he, he does most of the majority of the housework, picking up the kids, taking the kids here and there. And I miss out on school plays and I miss out on all these things that my dad missed out when I was growing up because he was working all the time and my mom was at home. Mm-hmm. And I think things are changing now where a lot of men are at home and, you know, the wives are working. A a majority of the women in my book have lives like that, where they've had uh, husbands, you know, staying home or their spouses staying home and they were working. So things are changing. And the more I think about my life, I feel like it may not be gender specific. It's just the role you're playing in this world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you're the one who's making the money and trying to support your family and hustling, um, because you can't do it all. Uh, yeah. But the only problem I find is that there is a deep expectation for women to bear the brunt of the household. And my family life with my husband, we get judged a lot. We get judged for me working and the guy staying home, you know? Really? Yes. Uh, we get judged a lot. I had a nanny who didn't want to work for us because she didn't think a woman should be working and the husband should be the man should be staying home so she had a problem with that do you remember me ask where was she from uh she was from nigeria okay yeah so it's it's cultural right yeah um so there's a lot of judgment around that and there's a lot of judgment with my husband as well if he's in the park with the kids midday and there are a lot of women in the park they're judging him um oh you know he doesn't work. He's probably a weak man. You know what I mean? I think we're socialized that way, right? Yeah. 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 We're, I know he's, he's very well educated and, and that's obviously not the case. Um, there's a couple of guys in our neighborhood, uh, that are, that stay at home on, on while their wives work. Um, and yeah, just different mentalities, just different education. Things are changing though. Uh, Tima, I, I, I was traveling last weekend and I was obviously excited about uh, meeting with you uh, this week, but I was noticing walking around the airports, there's a vibe 
there's a vibe. I can feel it. I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I think it's obviously better, but there's a vibe with women right now. And empowerment, I think that in general, a lot of women are starting to feel like they've been set free. All right. They, people have got their back. Mm-hmm. For the most part, it's better than it was, and I and it's getting better. And what you're doing with Fifty Fifty is awesome. Me Too movement. I like Cheryl uh, Sandberg. I think she's great too. Um, there's a lot of really great things happening. Uh, there is a good vibe out there, and it's and it's education. It's just pushing through. Uh, but I did notice that last week, and I was super excited about. It. I just could feel it, you know, amongst women that. There's, there's a new vibe out there. And, and you know, the, the excuse is over. Um, with the Me Too movement, you know, whatever happened in the past is in the past. And now, you know, shame on you if you can't, if you make make mistakes um, from now on because there's just, there's no more excuses, basically. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, uh, and I know you're seeing that change, but is it scaring men? Is the vibe... You know the vibe you're seeing. Do you feel like it's scaring men? Like you, you seem very hopeful and very excited. But you know, I know you can't speak for all the men out there. But <laughs> I think, I think, just like what we said, we were talking earlier about the resume. You know, like oh, you know, I, I'm a, I can handle about sixty percent of that. Men will adjust. They, it's not like you know, uneducated and 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 people who are um, threatened. You know that there will always be that matter what you look at religion or you know anything out in, in the industry but it, from from an education standpoint from business from a business standpoint man will adjust and they will figure it out for the most part mm-hmm. and, and they'll be they'll, they'll be fine I, I we will be fine <laughs> you know I, I really do I believe that it, it'll get better I think I don't think it'll be 85 years. And that, that's another thing I want to, you know, that's what I instill in my kids, too, is to say, you know, how about the w- woman that you marry or your nieces and nephews that, you know, we wouldn't be at a, at a 50-50 for 85 years, you know, go tell them that. You need to, we all need to get on board and, and figure this out, so. Yeah, yeah. So I want to end with, a, with one last question. So what are, you know, the three tangible things men can do to, do today to change the landscape for women sponsorship um yeah. just get educated on on unconscious bias go out there and and figure out in general figure out how to what are your requirements what are you trying to solve for first and then interview then look at people in general and stand up uh, you know there's a great commercial about bullying and stuff like that i think we can we can all stand up on you know, we're sitting a bunch of guys drinking beers and people start to say different things like just say and just say no and just say, no, you know, let's not talk like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's not, you know, it's not benefiting anybody. If our kids heard that or sons heard that wouldn't breed, you know, it's just the wrong message to send. So I think just in general, cutting out that type of the, the bro mentality, bro behavior, and I'm not definitely not. um I've definitely had my day too. So I think just in general, it's time's up. Let's move forward and do the right thing. I love it. I love it, Andrew. Thank you so much. You're such a great male ally and you give women hope. So I really, really appreciate it. No, I appreciate everything that you're doing. I love that your side hustle. I'm I'm excited about um, 
your future and what's to come and everything that you're going to accomplish. And we're, we're early, we're early in, in this whole uh, transformation. So you're leading the way. Uh, congratulations. And, you know, you're empowering my sisters and my future generations too. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for listening to Getting to 5050. If you enjoyed the show, spread the word by visiting www.pratimaraugluckman.com. After listening to the podcast, I hope you feel empowered to make a difference in your organization and communities. You have the power to change the world. Thanks again and see you next time.